The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. My name is Tim Cartwright. I'm the junior high pastor here at Temple Bible Church. I work with the 5th through 8th grade students and love every minute. Well, maybe not every minute, but love most of it. Uh, so it's a lot of fun doing that. But I just wanted to take a second. Uh, you guys saw the impact video. But I want to take a second just to recognize uh, all those that helped. Uh, you know, we had 125 students. We had countless leaders, host homes, all these different pieces that had to work properly for everything to come together. Uh, there were over 1,400 kids that heard the gospel this past week. So it's a pretty awesome, awesome thing that happened that God did. So if you were in any part of impact, whether you're a student that worked impact, of someone who volunteered, host home, driver, all that stuff, why don't you go ahead and stand for us? Go ahead and stand. Why don't you give them a big round of applause? We, uh, we appreciate all that they did and, and the amazing things God did uh, through them. It's really exciting. So also uh, in our audience today, we have the Arnold family. Uh, they are serving in Vance, France, uh, and they are home for a visit. So where are the Vance family? Where are you guys? Back here. Why don't you guys stand? Why don't you give them a big hand as well? The Arnold family. Thank you so much for serving. Uh, we appreciate that, and um, it's so exciting to see different missionaries come home and be able to meet them and hang out with them for a little bit. So today we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, continuing in our series in Ecclesiastes, this uh, summer series that we're on. And uh, we'll be looking at Ecclesiastes 3, uh, looking at um, the first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes 3. I got uh, one of the most popular passages in Ecclesiastes. Uh, There's a time for everything. Uh, I even asked uh, Bobby if they'd play the bird song, you know, and uh, I'm not old enough to remember that. I just YouTubed it and found it, Uh, but uh, apparently it's a good song on time out there. I don't know, Uh, but there's a lot of good songs on time out there and uh, what we lack in it or how important it is or how it's going bye-bye, you know, there's a lot of different things about time uh, that we can consider in this uh, time together today. You know, timing is everything when it comes to sports. Timing is crucial. We are watching a little bit of soccer yesterday. My girls love soccer. I mean, I'm a fan because they are, and I coached uh, Kendall in soccer, and I used to coach Sydney. So we watched a little soccer in Argentina playing yesterday. Time was up. 90 minutes. It's over, right? About the 91st and a half minute, Messi kicks a ball right inside the post. Timing is everything. The Spurs. Anybody Spurs fans out there? Half year like I became one when they, I realized they were in the finals, right? Uh, you know, the Spurs, they played great all year, but they came together at the end. Perfect timing. Different guys stepped up each game to end up winning the championship. Also, the, the Heat kind of imploded, uh, except for LeBron. He, he held it together, but the rest of them forgot how to play. So timing is everything. When it comes to physically and, and in the medical field, you know, my mom, she had... Uh, a tumor on her thyroid, but because they caught it early, it was a cancerous tumor, they caught it early, and timing was everything for her, and 25 years later, she's cancer-free. So timing is crucial. In the business world, people that you meet at just the right time, whether it's 
in an elevator, on a bus, or at a meeting, timing is crucial. I remember uh, when I was young and I got my license, uh, my parents put me off a year. Uh, <laughs> they made me wait till I was 17 because they knew uh, if I got my license at 16, I wouldn't see 17. So uh, they made me wait a little bit. Uh, and so I waited a little bit, and then, you know, I had this sweet ride. It was, uh, it was a 79 Impala station wagon. It was awesome. Uh, the thing was like a tank. And so, so I cruise around in that thing trying to act cool, which I, <laughs> there's no way to act cool in an Impala station wagon. But uh, I even, like, strung speakers from the ceiling uh, with wire hangers. Uh, so that's how cool I was. Uh, so I'm cruising around in the station wagon one Saturday night with my buddies, and they're acting stupid like usual. And uh, we rolled, you know, it had a really cool button in the front. You could roll the window down. Actually, it wasn't even a button. It was the ignition. If you pulled the ignition back, the key back, the back window rolled down. It was awesome, right? So what did we do? We had the window rolling rolling down, and, and there's people on the side of the road. And my buddies, of course, decide to be dumb and get out on the back door and hang out the back window while I'm driving. And, of course, as a responsible Young man, I pulled the car over and gave them a talking to, right? Not really. I just kept driving because I thought, man, I wish I was back there. And so I'm driving around and, and uh, my buddy, you know, there's one guy that we didn't normally invite with us and we decided to invite him with us that night to go play pool. And uh, somehow my dad finds out. And the next day's church, he's a pastor. He does his thing in the morning. And he comes home and he starts talking to me about what I did the night before. I'm like, yeah, it was fun. We went and played pool and everything. And, and uh, he goes, so everything went well, you know, nothing crazy happened or anything? No, no, not really. Uh, and he was trying to help me out, you know, hook me up with a way to tell the truth. And I just totally acted like it didn't happen. It's like, what about uh, your buddies hanging out the back? Oh, there was one dude that we brought with us that ratted me out. Now, at first I wanted to kill the guy. I'm like, yeah, you're not coming with us anymore. But then I realized my sin. And But the reality is this. If I would have said to my dad at that moment where he busted me and suspended me from driving for a few weeks, if I would have said, Dad, hey, uh, I got somewhere to go tonight. Uh, can I use the car? Horrible timing, right? I didn't say that because I'm not that dumb. But it would be horrible timing. Timing is everything. It's crucial. And Solomon gets into that a little bit in chapter 3. There's a time for everything. Let's look at verse 1 to start off with. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Let's unpack that verse a little bit, kind of look at it and see uh, what Solomon is trying to say. For everything there is a season. When you think about season, seasons of time, there's some crucial things. Season can also literally be translated an appointed time. And Solomon infers in the passage that they're appointed by God. That God appoints seasons of time in our lives. And he's about to tell you all different kinds of seasons. But I want to make very clear these seasons are important because they're appointed by God. Some of us, uh, we get advice, especially when we're young and young married couples about to have kids. You know, or maybe you're in the middle of having kids and uh, like we're on our fourth, we're adopting uh, our little guy, he's seven months old and we're really excited, but there's some days that are rougher than others, but he's, he's been great, way better than other kids that's sleeping. But, 
you know, sometimes you got older couples come along, they're friends of yours, and they try to give you some advice, and they mean well, but it's kind of dumb advice, and they come along and they're like, don't worry, honey, it's just a season, right? You'll get through it. Or like, you close your eyes and blink and it's going to be gone. That's not helping right now, you know? And so you hear this advice, it's a season, it's just a time. But the reason why that's bad, even though sometimes it's just annoying because they're acting like they know it all and they did it great, uh, is that the reason why it's good advice or bad advice is that God appointed that season. So there's a reason why you shouldn't rush through it. There's a reason why you shouldn't grin and bear it. There's a reason why you shouldn't just tough it out. There's a reason why you should embrace that season. Whether it's a good season or a difficult season. It's appointed by God. So it's a season you are meant to be in. Not to get always get out of. We pray to God, please relieve me of this. You know, even our pastor going through a difficult season right now. I mean, a horrible time of of frustration a little bit and, and even worry and anxiety that season of his life. But what is he doing? We are observing him carry out this advice of God's appointed time and that he is going through this and waiting through this difficult time with his family in a godly way because he knows it's appointed by God even though we can't understand why. We don't know why. But it's a season. And then every matter under heaven, the word matter can also be translated joy, pleasure, and delight. It's not joy, pleasure, and delight just in the good things. But it's joy, pleasure, and delight even in the tough things. And that God has appointed every season, every matter, every thing for our joy and for His glory. And He has appointed that for us. And then He says, under heaven, meaning things that happen uh, while we're here on this earth. And so it's an interesting beginning that Solomon gives in verse 1. And then Let's look at verses 2 through 8. That's where we're going to spend a little bit of time on next. Verses 2 through 8 says, A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. We would have to spend the entire summer on this passage to get into all of this. Uh, so I'm just going to hit a few of these before we move on uh, to the next section of our, our passage together. We look at uh, verse 2. Let's focus on that one first. Verse 2. Birth and dying, a time to be born and a time to die. Some of you, you know, you think about when it comes to a time to be born and a time to die, uh, there are specific things that we might think of. But most of you probably wouldn't think of Scott and White. That's just the way my brain works. I'm a junior high pastor. You have to forgive me because things pop in my head that are just out there and I have to connect them for you. I, talk, I, I feel bad for my wife sometimes because I, I have connections that are being made in my head that she's like, Where, why why'd you just say that? Uh, so Scott and White, what's that up there for? Scott and White, an appointed time for birth and dying. You know, 
I have fond memories of Scott and White. Some of you are like, I don't, especially when I call their business department. Uh, you know, I went in for a ruptured ACL. How do I have fond memories of Scott and White? Because two of my four kids were born there. So they were born in Scott and White. So I'm traveling up and down the elevator, coming in to check on Candace as she recovers and checking in on my other kids. And as I traveled, I saw the joy of birth. But then even in that same elevator, I saw the sorrow of death. The horrible disease, whether it's cancer or pain or surgery or even death. And so we can see that life is full of that. Life is full of joy because of birth and things that happen there. So exciting, tears of joy. But then you also see the horrible thing because of the fall. Because of sin that entered into the world, we have this situation where there is birth and dying, where there's sadness, sorrow, and laughter and joy, and so many other things that Solomon points out here in this passage. And so we can see there's birth and dying. There's a a time for both. Uh, There's a quote from John Foreman, who's the lead singer of Switchfoot. He put it perfectly, and I didn't even hear this quote till yesterday. I was out on a little run getting ready for my, my message out in Miller Springs and just getting out there and praying with God. And, and all of a sudden, this song pops in my ear. And here's one of the lines from that song. He says, You got your babies, I got my hearses. Every blessing comes with a set of curses. So the idea that, yeah, you have the babies being born, but you also have, because of the fall, because of the sinfulness of man, we also have death. We have our share of curses, even though we're blessed in those times as well. So it's a tough thing to wrestle with. Why do we have these things? Why does time keep ticking like this? And then we go to verse 4. A time to weep and a time to laugh. All right. If you have a young child, especially a boy, at around three or four years old, if you've had one, or if you have an adolescent daughter, no offense to the adolescent girls out there, uh, you know that these things can happen very quickly together. Weeping and laughing, right? Uh, you see over here, my little buddy Noah, he's our, our third kid. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'd probably cry too if you, you put that on me. Uh, this, was, this was Halloween this past year. Of course, he was Elvis. And he even had Sour Patch Kids in his hand. <laughs> and it didn't work. He was still weeping. Uh, of course, you see later on, he's laughing. And sometimes I even notice that... Uh, that paradox and uh, situation even in the car. I look in the rearview mirror, there's joy. He's Kendall sits in the middle usually in the second row and there's laughter, right? And then I see a chubby hand in the rearview mirror just, boom, punch Kendall in the face. There's laughter and then all of a sudden there's weeping. And so as a, as a dad of young kids, you see that a lot and you see what Solomon's trying to say. Hey, you can have great joy at some time in your life and all of a sudden, boom, Here comes weeping. Here comes sorrow. Here comes stress and strife. And so Solomon's saying, there's both there. And that's life. And that's what happens because we are living in a fallen world because of sin. Sorrow is real. And it should be handled with weeping. It shouldn't be swept under the rug and suppressed. Sorrow is very real. And there's a time for weeping, as Solomon says. Then the third one, uh, verse 7, is a time to keep silence. And a time to speak. 
You know, as I approach my 40th birthday, you know, that's kind of hard to say. August, I'll be 40. That's crazy. I know. Hanging out with junior high kids, I look a little younger, I guess. I don't know. Not as young as Pastor Casey, but, uh, you know, as I approach my 40th birthday, to my surprise, but not my wife's, I'm becoming increasingly aware that people don't need to hear my opinion on everything. I am becoming increasingly aware. So (laughs) those that I know, I'm sorry, because I just talk a lot. Uh, It's my family's fault. Um, But I... (laughs) I realize, look, there's a time to speak and there's a time to shut up. And if you look in Scripture, the shutting up part should probably happen a lot more often. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So some of you may be out there, maybe the opposite of me and other of us in here, that you don't speak very much. You're quiet, you're reserved, and sometimes things need to be said. And sometimes you have to have a hard conversation, a difficult talk, and maybe you clam up. Solomon said, no, there's a time to speak as well. There's a time to say the things that need to be said. And it's a challenge for all of us to know which is which. And for us that like to talk, it's really hard to to be quiet. So it's a good challenge we hear from Solomon in these verses. And as we move into verses 9 through 11, we must understand time as it relates to eternity. So some of you that, I apologize, that tripped on this on the way in this morning, uh, this rope here is used for a reason. It's up here for a reason. And uh, this rope, what I'd like it to represent is eternity. Sorry, I almost hit you in the face there. Uh, It's meant to represent eternity, okay? So we have the end of the rope, and then this rope goes all the way back, and just imagine that rope going through the back wall and on into eternity. This is your life. So this is your life. This is your life that exists on earth, but also goes on through eternity. So I want you to imagine with me your life being represented by this rope. I'm not going to make it disappear or anything. Some of you kids are like, what's he going to do? Light it on fire or something? No. Uh, Okay. It's just simple. Uh, So imagine this rope. And right here I painted about four inches of this rope red. And this part of the rope represents your life here on earth. This is what you live. And this is the short period of time. It's over in a blink of an eye. Life is like a vapor. It appears a little while, vanishes away. Yes, that's depressing. I'm sorry. But four inches of time, four inches of time here on this earth. But if you picture your life going on and on and on throughout eternity, then you might live a little different here on this earth. But if all you do is think of your life like this and live for this moment and capture this moment, you know, uh, you only live once, you know, all that stupid stuff that's out there, you know, uh, talking about YOLO and all that. I know that's ridiculous. I'm almost 40. I shouldn't even say that. Uh, But, you know, four inches capturing time here on this earth, but instead living for eternity, living in the knowledge that life goes on for eternity and what you do here on this earth matters for eternity not earning your way to heaven and eternal life but actually it it depends what you do you read it in scripture what you do here on this earth actually depends on how you end up in eternity how you live how you commune with god what you have to offer god and all these things happen here and affect eternity 
So we need to have a better view of time. You know, some of us, uh, we live for temporary things. We live for this. We live for the next vacation or the promotion or you know, our kids to get out of the house, you know. Or we live for that, that little part at, at this part right here where we can retire, right, and travel and have a good time. And none of that stuff's bad. I love to have fun. I love vacations. I wish I could take more. But if I'm living focused on this four inches, I don't understand time. And I don't understand the appointment of God and what he has for me. And some of us, we also love to judge people on their time, right? We say, oh, I wouldn't do that with my time. We sit up here as if the things we waste our time on are a little less sinful than than the things they waste their time on, right? And we sit in judgment of people in their time because we don't understand time correctly. Some of us, we have kind of a depressed view of time. Depending on your mental makeup, and you may think a glass half, half empty, or maybe depending on your age, you may look at time in a way that's depressing. Because reality is, things are happening. You know, you, you go, start going to the baby showers when you're a young couple, and then it's all of a sudden you're going to kindergarten graduations, and then... You know, you jump on to eighth grade graduation, high school, college, weddings. I don't even say that word. I have two daughters. Uh, weddings. And, and then, you know, the baby showers and, and then the funerals. And then you start going to more funerals, right, than, than you did before. You're like, what is happening? It's, it's overwhelming. It can be depressing if we have a poor view of time. God's view of time has a whole different perspective. You know, Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13 says it pretty clearly. Jeremiah says, uh, God is really saying through Jeremiah, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is what they're doing. They were living according to this, the four inches. They were planning out their time here on earth and living according to the time they had here on earth. And it was building your house on sand, so to speak. It was building your life in a pot that's all cracked up. And if we have a poor view of time and if we live for these four inches, then we are building our lives to fill with things in a, in a, in a container that's broken. Because we don't see that our life is built and meant for eternity. And it's a poor view of time. Our life planned by us for a short period is like a jacked up pot. A poor view of time often comes from a failure to learn true contentment in Christ. Philippians 4, Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So that's not a verse to use in the locker room. Use that in the locker room before the game. I can do it all through Him who strengthens I can win this game. I can make that tackle, right? I can block that shot. No, sorry, that's wrong. He's talking about contentment. And he's saying, look, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, meaning I can go through difficult times I can go through great times and I can be content through it all knowing that Jesus Christ is the one who died for me and that God gave me new life through His Son that I don't live for these four inches, but I live for eternity. 
And it's a different perspective that we need to take on this life. As we close, let's take a moment to focus on one statement in verse 11. Uh, Look at verse 9 through 11. We'll read that together, but I want to focus a little bit on one statement in 11. Verse 9 says, What gain is the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God, excuse me, that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has put eternity into man's heart. That's kind of an interesting thing. He put eternity into our hearts. So I want you to picture that and really wrestle with that statement for a minute. What does that mean? He has set eternity into the human heart. What it means is that God has put a longing, a restlessness, a desire for something more in all of us. It's not like the the God-shaped hole argument, things like that that you might hear, but it's just a desire for bigger and better. Everyone has it. Even those that don't know Jesus have it. And they are restless. They are longing to know more. They are longing for something better. That's why they want a bigger and better vacation next time. That's why they want a bigger and better house. That's why they want the boat. That's why we want this, this, that, because we're restless. They're universal traits of the human heart and mind that we're restless. We're looking for something restless and restlessness and longing are universal traits of the human heart. You know, this longing is spelled out by Solomon in chapter 2. Last week we heard about that a little bit, right? The longing to fill that restlessness and that void with what? Stuff. Solomon had everything. And he gave himself everything you can imagine, physically speaking. And guess what? He was still restless. He was still longing for more. So Solomon is kind of basically saying, look, I'll show you in the physical in chapter 2. Now let me show you in the poetic in chapter 3. For those that are physical and need that illustration, I got you here. For those that are a little crazy, abstract like me, I got you here. Let me, let me paint a picture for you. And he's saying, it's all restless. It's all longing for something more. So I've got to give you a little bit of background before I use this final quote. A little background on this quote. My sister has been going through a really difficult time the last few years. These last few years have been very difficult. Uh, Some of you have been through what she's going through in this situation of divorce, a a tough situation where her husband has abandoned his faith. And for the last three years, she's been struggling through this with three kids. And she's faced this trial and this testing and She's faced in a way similar to what we talked about, Pastor Gary, in a way that honors God and in a way where she views her time here on earth as going on into eternity. She spends more time in the Word, more time in prayer than I've ever seen her do before in my life. And it shows, and it shows in the fact that she sees this season appointed by God. It's been a horrible, tough, difficult time on her whole family. But because of her perspective that God has given her, she's facing it in a way in which honors God. So I'm reading through this scripture, and I'm reading through some different quotes, and I decide to use this quote. Well, a few minutes later, I'm checking out Facebook and just perusing around, and I see her post 
And she posted this same exact quote a few minutes after I put it into my notes. Like, oh, here's a sign. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. So this quote is from St. Augustine. He says, Thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. Thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. You know, she found her rest in him and him alone, and now she has a very admirable view of time. She sees time differently than before that trial, that season began. She sees it in a way that honors God and glorifies God, that her kids... Her kids can look at her and see how she handled this season and see that it was appointed by God and see that she finds rest in Him. That she finds rest in the One who created her and has an eternity waiting for her. So my question for you is, where is your rest found? Are you continuing to drive out After this restlessness, this longing to fill yourself with things that are physical, things on this earth, things that Solomon drove after hard, harder than any of us drove after or drive after anything physical. Are we building our foundation, our rest, our longing in this world, in this temporary world? Do we find rest in knowing the eternal life that we have coming and what we do here on this earth actually matters for eternity? You know, chances are a lot of us in here, including myself, have a poor perspective on time and eternity as it relates to God and His great story. As we approach the end of our time together, I'm going to ask the men to come forward. We're going to have communion here in a second. So the men can come forward. And I'd really like you at the end of this time just to consider what God has done. Consider how you view time. And if you guys could stay still and, and uh, stay seated. That would be great so the guys could come up and do communion. That would be awesome. You think about taking time right now for a moment for meditation, a moment for reflection, repentance, and action. I'd really like you to take the time to meditate on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Reflect on God's great love. Repent of how we've been looking at and spending our time and move forward into God's view of eternity for our lives. So I really want you to just kind of think through and focus and pray in your seat right now and talk to God and say, God, how have I been viewing time? How have I been viewing eternity? Have I had a time where I kind of got caught up in this life? And those four inches of that rope? Is my life lived right now for myself or my family? And I really don't take the time to consider eternity and what my actions here mean. As we have communion together this morning, I really want us to sit before we even pass the plates to have a time of reflection. And hopefully that reflection time leads to repentance and meditation and a turning toward God during this time. So just take a time to pray. Bow your head, close your eyes in your seat, and 
for a few moments.